Good morning, beloved. So many times when we get up to give a lesson, we have a story, we have a parallel, we have something. Today I have a true story. In the late 1800s, mid to late 1800s, a man by the name of Horatio, the son of Gazetteer and Elizabeth, he married Anna Larson of Stavanger, Norway, September 5th, 1861 in Chicago. They were well known in the 1960s. He was a prominent lawyer, a senior partner in a large and thriving law firm. He and his wife were also prominent supporters and close friends of a then well-known evangelist named Dwight L. Moody. He invested in real estate north of an expanding Chicago in the spring of 1871. When the Great Fire of Chicago reduced the city to ashes in October that same year, it destroyed most of Horatio's sizable investment. Then came the wreck of the Villa de Haver. Scarlet fever took this man's young son, one of four, from him. Two years later, 1873, Horatio decided his family should take a holiday somewhere in Europe. He chose England, no, England knowing that his friend, D.L. Moody, would be preaching there in the fall. He was delayed because of his business, so he sent his family ahead, his wife and their four children, their daughters, 11-year-old Anna, Annie, 9-year-old Margaret Lee, they called her Maggie, 5-year-old Elizabeth, that they called Bessie, and 2-year-old Tanetta. On November 23, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on the steamship Villa du Havre, the ship was struck by an iron sailing vessel. 226 people lost their lives. This is documented in history, including all four of their daughters. His wife Anna survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to Horatio that began, saved alone. Horatio then sailed to England, England, going over the same location where his daughters had died. According to Bertha, a daughter from them born after the tragedy, he wrote, it is well with my soul. Here's a man who lost a son, lost four daughters, and it traveled over this water and wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I say, my God, what, a, what an inner strength this man must have had. We all know and love that song. We just sang the song. And when we hear the beauty of it and the words, it's so inspiring. It is well with my soul. Is this a mindset? <clears throat> is it something that we learn? Is this kind of attitude God-given? Can I control this idea within me? It is well with my soul? Proposition. In this lesson, we will answer the question, why is it well with my soul? It's well within my soul 
for five reasons that I've put down today. The first being God is in control. The second, all, all things work together for good. That our troubles, no matter how great they are, how deep into our soul they go, they're temporary. For we have another life after this life. And the joy in that is that there is salvation for all. And the end result is victory. This is a true story of a man who endured all these hardships and trials. Our objective in this lesson is that each of us should be able to explain why things are well with our soul, and if not, how to get things well with our soul, because it's so strong, so hugely important in our lives. We talked this morning in class a little bit about our spirit within us and our souls and how being around other people and having that internal wellness of your soul encourages so many other people just by your mere presence and the aura that you give off when things are good. My aim today is to encourage you, the faithful Christian, to recognize the peace that you have in this life and to exhort the sinner to gain peace through God's plan for men's salvation. Because when things are well with our soul, nothing else matters, does it? I made the comment in my class, Mary and I do not have very much argumentation. We've been 44 years together. But we don't have a lot of back and forth bickering. But when things aren't right between us, I have a hard time living my life in every other area because things aren't good there. The same as when things are troubling my soul, and brethren, we're all people. We all live in this same world. Some of us are married. Some of us are young. Some of us are old. Some of us have trials. Some of us have physical infirmities. Some of us have trouble thinking. Sometimes our relationships are so challenging, you wonder day to day how you get along. There are things that trouble our soul. Some things just pass us by and you deal with them. But when something troubles your soul, your loneliness, your hurt, your grief. <clears throat> we have to learn how to deal with those things. My first point, God is in control. Have you ever felt out of control? Either in a fit of anger, and you lose your temper and you get out of control? There's not much worse feeling in this world when you lose control. Have you ever been in a car accident? where something happened and you're just out of control spinning on the ice and there goes your car and you know you're going to hit something and there's nothing you can do about it. Or you watch somebody, some other poor soul who they're in their vehicle or you see something falling, they don't see it, you can't get there fast enough, you can't get out the words, and it happens. You ever sit on the right side of your car? Now this never happens to me. You ever sit on the right side of the car and hit the imaginary brake pedal when somebody else is driving? That doesn't happen to me very often because 99% of the time, wherever we go, I drive. Now, I'm sure Mary doesn't have that imaginary brake pedal when I drive. Never, never, never. Does anybody in here fly? Have taken an airplane someplace? The hook was in me for flying in the early 70s when I used to fly with the state police in the medevac helicopter. My first trip, he took me along the Route 40 corridor from East Baltimore to West Baltimore County. 
And when we got up there, I said, Sergeant, over there at that firehouse is where we're going for this drill. And he went, okay, sideways right down through the air. That was it for me. The hook was in. Some people, Mary doesn't fly well. She's gotten a lot better. We've taken trips and she's learned to do well. But when you're in that airplane, you're out of control. Not that you're out of control, although some people do in the plane. You don't have the control over the plane and your life is in the hands of somebody else. There's a big contrast. Mary gets nervous about flying. I'd buy a pair of wax wings and fly off the mountain if it weren't for the sun. I'd fly anything. But we don't like to feel and we don't like to be out of control. Life can sometimes feel out of control. I know sometimes with my business and the things that Mary and I do, it gets very hectic. We manage a lot of properties, about 50 of them. And sometimes it's calm. Christmas week, we had the most quiet, peaceful week we could ever imagine. Things were very good. First week of January, it all blew up, and I had like five properties at a time, one leaking water, one on fire, and one with crazy tenants and have to be in court. And you just, you just feel like your life's out of control and you can't do anything. Perhaps things aren't going well with your job. You don't have any control over that. Sometimes we have family members, our children, our parents. Sometimes our children make bad decisions. And we don't have any control any longer. When they hit 18 and they're out on their own, want to make their own decisions. Just like when we were 18, we have to learn our own lessons, don't we? But we lose that control. This past year has been a complete turmoil in this country as far as politics and the election. No matter which side of the aisle you're on, Democrat or Republican, we've suffered through a year and a half of craziness in politics and out of control in what this country is doing. Hopefully that will change with a new administration. It's not a political statement of one side or the other, just hope that things will get better. What can we do when we feel life is out of control? We can know that God is in control of all things. In Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 3, it says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. He is in control. Colossians, first chapter, verse 16 through 18 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Then of all things, he might have preeminence. So God's in control of our lives. And even though we deal with these things on a day-to-day -day basis, and sometimes short-term, sometimes long-term, long-term, because the decisions we make can last for a lifetime and have lifetime consequences. Consider Isaiah in the 40th chapter 28 through 31, he said, how hast, how hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And brethren, sometimes that feels like a long wait, doesn't it? And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Knowing that God is in control and identifying that 
in particular brings us peace. Just like the little children. If Patrick's children are walking down the steps and, and little Harvey's going to get down those steps, it's comforting to him to know when he reaches up, he's got his dad's hand that he's not going to fall. The same with us. When we see a step or something that we might stumble, we should reach up and have peace within our soul and let things be well with us because we are in God's hand. He protects and provides for us every day of our lives. I don't have to have all the answers. I try to do as much as I can in my job, in my relationship with Mary, here in the church, to do all the very best I can, but I certainly do not have all of the answers. But I am at peace within my soul because I know that my hand reaches to God for help. And we should all feel the same way. Let us also know that it means that God will deal with the choices of others. When, you're when your soul is troubled, know that God will take care of these things. It may not be in our time, it may not be in our way, but be assured that he will take care of all those things. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, regardless of what happens in life, if you seek him first, verse 33, Matthew 6, we all know the verse, seek ye first. And if we can put our minds to do that, we certainly can have peace. Remember Paul's attitude in Philippians, the first chapter in verse 21, when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Romans 8 chapter, 8 chapter verse 28. And it's sometimes hard for us to see the good in these bad situations. It's easy for us to focus on bad things. We tend to worry about problems that yet exist. Instead, we should be focused on the possible things that might come and bring peace to within yourself. And if we make this a daily exercise, focus on him and his word and his power and the spirit working on us, the spirit that we get through baptism in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let that spirit work within our souls, within our bodies, and let him bring these good things to us. Consider Joseph. Genesis 37. Jo J Joseph born of Jacob. His brothers hated him. They wanted to kill him. They sold him into slavery. Then when he went to prison, he was, he was lied about. But God raised him up. Brothers and sisters, he'll raise us up on that last day. No matter what we've gone through this life, if we remain faithful to him, let your spirit rejoice. When Joseph's brothers feared him, he said, but as for you... You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. To bring to pass, and it is this day, to save much people alive. Genesis 50, verse 20. Consider Jesus. You think we have troubles? He was rejected and despised of men. He was cruelly beaten and crucified. But God raised him up through his death. He brought salvation to each and every one of us. Acts 3.26 says, Unto you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus Christ, send him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Because God can work all things for good. We can have peace. Knowing that good will come even on bad circumstances. Romans chapter 8. Verse 35 through 37, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? 
that is written, For thy sake we are all killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Another song. Our problems become how to cope with the troubles we do have on this earth and when our spirit is troubled by these things. Thankfully, the Bible does teach us that at least troubles are temporary. Let's look at two passages. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 16 through 18. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We're renewed and we're re-strengthened and brought back every day through the word. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Revelation 21 and 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Another song. Isn't it funny how we take these words, put them to a tempo, to a certain beat, to a certain feel within the song, and learn from them. And sometimes we learn those songs as well as we do the scriptures themselves. And it creates in us an internal spirit that we're able to convey to others. In class this morning, we talked about coming to the Lord and rejoice. Yet again, I say rejoice. And Psalm says, come to him in song. And we use the example, sometimes when I'm in my office, I've, I've heard recently that a couple of people have said, well, we know Wayne's here. I said, you know I was here. He said, we heard you whistling coming down the hall. And I didn't even know I was whistling. I, just, I whistle a lot. I feel good. I love life. I feel good because I have that relationship with God and a relationship with my wife that is so healthy and the goodness in life that it brings. But brethren, don't think for one minute that I don't have my trials. My soul is troubled to its depth by some certain things in my life. I'm not excluded from these things just because I enjoy my life, because I have the relationship. I've got something that troubles me every single day of my life, and I have to pray every day, and I have to talk to Mary every day. I'm not excluded. But I rejoice in the fact that I know I can reach my hand to God through his word, through a song, through a kindness, through reaching out to others, that my spirit and my soul, it can be well within my soul, even in light of these things that occur in my life on a daily basis. Knowing that it's temporary is a wonderful thing. Because as I deal with them, it helps me to deal with them, not just the knowledge of it's temporary. Sure, I can read this, it's temporary, and I know that at some point I'm going to die, and hopefully I'll make it to, to heaven and be with Jesus forever. That's the word. But the feeling inside my spirit that knows that. It's not just the knowledge of the word, but it's the knowing within my spirit that no matter what this is today, on the morrow we'll all be with God. And some days that carries me through my tribulations. Those of you with children will understand. Those of you with challenging spouses will understand. Those that are unfortunate and have lost spouses will understand. We have troubles in this life. We have trials. But it's well with our souls. My message today is to encourage you, not of the negativity or the sadness of all these things, but the joy and the rejoicing that we have in Christ Jesus, that he gives us these things. 
James said in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, my brethren, count it joy when you fall into divers temptations. How much sense does that make? Count it joy when I fall into divers temptations? It's not a joy for me to be tempted, and I'm tempted just like the rest of us are. But he says, count it joy, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, ye may be entire, and ye may be wanting nothing. And I'm encouraged by James' words there, because it makes application to me in my life and to all of you and yours whether we realize it or not. We talk a lot, a lot about identification and balance. When you I can identify these things, it's even better. But even when you don't identify them, they still happen. Just because you don't see exactly what it is, it still happens. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 11 and 12. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. <laughs> Boy, did I have a hard time with that. <clears throat> I worked with Teamsters for 40 years, truck drivers. These aren't the kindest men. They aren't the most gentle persons. As time has progressed, many of them have and not been ashamed to show their faith. But blessed when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Brethren, I've been there. I don't use profanity. I don't tell coarse jokes. I can't help but to be in the room sometimes when I've heard them, but I let them go in one side and out the other and try not to even hear them, let alone respond to them. But it's not easy. The challenges that this earth provides and evil people is just horrible sometimes. But it says rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So when I read these words, and I know it was in my heart, and I put it into practice, it's quite a comfort, and it can be well within my soul. Salvation is available for all of us. Consider our world, if you will, for just a moment, which the possibility of salvation doesn't exist. I hope that every one of us that are here today believe truly in our hearts that salvation exists. Otherwise, I don't think you'd be here. But try to think, if you can, for just a moment, what if salvation didn't exist? We would be, be without hope. There'd be no reason to live. There'd be no peace from this earth, from this life, or the afterlife. So again, we can rejoice. And we can rejoice because salvation is available to each and every one of us. First Timothy in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. John 3.16, who doesn't know John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him, believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 John 2 and 2 said, And he is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 4 and 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
because salvation is available for all, we can have peace with God. That's the most important things in our life, brethren. When Mary and I have conversations about life and about our children and about our jobs and about our business and all these things, I tell her and have told her many times, as she has me, we do what we can, we move on. Our job right now, while we're here, is single purpose. We have one purpose in this life, and I want you to each to hold on to this for the rest of your lives. Your purpose on this earth is to get to the other side. And it doesn't matter what comes between now and your death, or now and the end of time as we've read about. Your single purpose in this life is to get to the other side and to move up to be in heaven. The end result of that is victory. How does it feel when you know you're going to win? I know we have a few sports-minded people in here. I'm not a big sports guy, but I love baseball. Football, I'll watch a good game. Sometimes I'll watch lacrosse or the soccer we see on TV so much anymore. I enjoy a good sport, but I love baseball, brethren. I have season tickets to the Orioles. Our seats are right behind the Orioles dugout in the center. Mary's my date. She doesn't care for baseball. She says, okay, I don't care for baseball. I'm your date. Don't let the ball hit me. And she gets out her iPad and reads during the whole game. I don't understand it, but that's what she does. When we are in the eighth inning and Orioles are up 16 to 1, and I know we're going to win, there ain't a better feeling. At least it's sports-minded. I used to drag race when I was a young man. I had muscle cars. And there wasn't a better feeling going down that track and look out the other side and you see the guy that you're racing is a car length behind you and you know you're going to win. It's a wonderful feeling. Well, brethren, we're in the race. And what did Paul say? I've run the race. I've fought the good fight. Let us live that fight. Let us run that race. Let us rejoice in our hearts and let our spirits do well and let our spirits and let it be well with our soul. There's a certain peace of mind that comes with winning. It troubled me greatly last year when the Orioles fell apart in the last half of the year. They did so good up to the All-Star break and then they just fell apart. They managed to squeak into the playoffs and then I think somebody took all the lead out of their bats. They did nothing and lost. They were out. The Bible teaches us God's people are going to win. We, brethren, in this room are going to win. It's already won. All we have to do is stay in the race and do your part. 1 Corinthians 15, 7 says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus the Christ. 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. We, little me, little you, John sitting there, Luke sitting there, Sonny sitting there, Susan sitting there. Each one of us are victors over evil and over this world. Revelation 17. These shall make the war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And they that are with them are called the chosen 
and the faithful. And here we sit. Because that end result is victory, we can have peace. Brethren, let it be well with your soul. Let it be well with your soul. And as the song repeats in the chorus, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let me give that encouragement to you today. That matter, no matter what life gives, you've already won. Keep running. Keep rowing. Keep lifting. Whatever it is you do in life, that's what you do. We read Romans 8.28. Let me get back. That we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Our troubles are only temporary. We're just here for a little while. He's written this in the scriptures, and he has taught us through the apostles, and he has taught us through teachers and preachers this message. And this message is to the saved, to those faithful Christians that I pointed out at the beginning that you are that I am, that we are together. It's also available to those who are not Christians. But it isn't there for you if you aren't. Because you have not the Spirit in you if you've not been baptized for the remission of your sins, as Acts 2.38 says. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit at that point. Galatians 5, Galatians 3, you put on Christ in baptism. As much as I love baseball, I gave a Wednesday night invitation one time, about 15, 100 years ago. And I related it to baseball. And I drew on the board a picture of the baseball diamond and the bases. And a man comes up to bat, and he can hit the ball, and he can run up the baseline, and he can make it to that first base. He might even hit a home run. But guess what? If he's not on the team, doesn't count. If he's not signed on and playing in a legitimate game, no matter what he does on that field, doesn't count. In Matthew 7, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have I not done many good things and prophesied in your name? And what did he say? Remove yourself from me. I never knew you, even though they had done all these good things. Thereby, it's necessary for you to become one of his to gain in his benefit, to have that life in the after a while, to be well with your soul. You must have access to him, and that comes through baptism and becoming one of his children. If you're subject to the invitation of the Lord, we ask you to come this time. All together we stand and sing.